In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gaspacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today is Pop Culture Thursday, so our guest host is MJ Corey. She's a writer and psychotherapist based in Brooklyn, and she authors Kardashian Colloquium, Colloquium spelled with a K, of course, a social media presence that deconstructs the Kardashian family through postmodern and media theory lenses. It is one of the coolest and most original pages on the internet when there's so much cool and original stuff now. So we've been we've been so excited to schedule you. We've been trying to for a while now, and it happened that uh, some free press for the Kardashians, whose who's new new show, which I'm sure is vastly different from their old show, comes out today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today. Just amazing timing that we all came together today, actually. Is it already out on Hulu? Because I know some batches have probably watched it, it already. Have you watched it yet? No, they claim that it's like uh, very different from their old show. Yeah, but I I have to ask: Did you do you go by MJ because of Chris's mom? Oh, my the Kardashian God. grandma. <laughs> that is a crazy resonant thing too. I was calling myself MJ um, even before I even started watching the Kardashians. Like I kind of like took on that pen name. Um, when was it? For Spider-Man. What's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that too. Very, yeah, which is like full of metaverses now. Um, yeah. So, no, that that is a very funny thing. I started calling myself NJ in like 2009 before I ever started watching the Kardashians. Oh, perfect. It was, de- it was faded from the beginning. Yes. Damn. When was the first card? Was it 2007 that they started? Yes. Damn. Wow. That's crazy. Did you um ha- so were have you been watching them like from the beginning or is it something that you kind of like got into later? Cuz I'm thinking of our 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 beloved Dylan Hafer. I only learned recently like he covers all of our Bravo stuff in Real Housewives and I actually only learned recently that he was kind of a later adopter and sometimes I find the later adopters for big pop culture things become the most like enthusiastic and create the most fascinating content. So can you just sort of like take us through your your path to becoming interested in this aspect of the Kardashians' public presence. That's a really interesting observation because I also was a late adopter of the whole thing. Um, The show started in 2007, and I didn't watch it or really give it a chance till 2018, 2018. Um, I was never that interested. I was kind of dismissive of them, mostly because I was dismissive of reality TV, I just didn't like how watching reality TV made me feel. And I kind of assumed that sh- the keeping up with the Kardashians would have a similar effect. Um, and then a friend put it on and I just kind of sat down to spend time with her and watch it with her. And I was really amazed by this paradigm that the show perfected of like real and staged. And it made me feel something like kind of uncanny. And I went and told my sister about it, who was like a media studies major at Smith. And she was like, ah, yes, you should read Jean Baudrillard. 
and I didn't know who that was. It just it, it, it started a whole spiral into postmodern theory first. And then postmodern theory led me to media theory. And then I started to realize the construct of media and the way the Kardashians really are a fractal of it. And they're a fractal of so many like academic uh cultural conversations because there's so many of them they've done so many things they've been around for so long um so that's sort of the lens that i have kind of been fallen on but there's a you know there's so many ways we can look at them there's like a million ways of looking at the kardashians that's so uh incredible uh mj i don't know if y'all know this amanda and sammy but i was a social and behavioral sciences major in college and i wrote a thesis on nightclub culture and like gender and class performance in nightclub so it just reminds me of like yeah <laughs> well i used to put on my resume but people would be like oh my god um you talk about party nightclubs girl. like you're no, wait, a party I'm like girl genuinely curious can you send yeah. me a yeah, okay, we'll <laughs> no, but it's 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 um it's sir it's similar to mm -hmm. like like performance and how people use these things to per yeah it yeah it's it, it, it just reminded me of like because I use Durkheim and all these like social theorists even Marx Karl Marx to talk about how people so it's it's really interesting I think that a lot of things and I mean I'm sure you can speak to this MJ I'm sorry to like take the conversation but um. I feel like a lot of people dismiss things that women enjoy as vapid, shallow, surface level and stuff. And even and even like things like I mean, the kind of thesis of my project was like things that like black people, people of color and queer people. I talked about queer clubs, too, like taking that on a deeper level, you know, where, you know, um, so I, I really love that. I would, I'm really curious to hear what your kind of take and reaction is that like what people have said to you about it, because I think it is like the things that we do, women consume and enjoy are deep, have air, um, room for critical analysis and stuff, but they're not given that same thing because it's like pastel or like, we use like a lot and stuff. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, I just want to hear about that. That is so interesting. And um, exactly to your point that you're saying people found out you studied nightclubs and they were like, that's a party girl. And you were instantly associated with your subject when really you're analyzing it from a critical analysis standpoint. Um, that is super true. People will say like, I got a comment on TikTok once like, um, this is like a Walmart Kardashian. People were just like mad that I'm talking about the Kardashians and like ass assuming I want to be like them. Like, That's very mean. funny. They have a pattern because they call Red Maisel the Dollar Tree Elle Woods. <laughs> they have a they have a format they're going yeah, for. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's yeah, totally yeah, sorry. And then, yeah. And then to your point, Amanda, it was I think easy for me to analyze them from that critical distance because I came in late. And, I, and maybe that's what makes um, this observation you have about people yeah. coming in late analyzing more holy or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, finally, you used a word that I've been I've been trying to like reach for for how they affect our lives, which was like they're a fractal. Mm -hmm. I, our first question was that we we're a show that covers politics, race and feminism. Mm -hmm. And it feels like we end up talking about something Kardashian related every single week within that framework with it. They're always sort of doing something that is a good opportunity to unpack it in yes. a bigger in a bigger context. Um, why is that? How did they do that? How did they achieve the celebrity status where we like collectively ascribe meaning to everything they do? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's fairly recently, like maybe last five years. Well, it's like maybe it's 2016 when they actually took a very postmodern shift um, that we have started ascribing meaning, unpacking them. I mm -hmm. think 
previously and I'd want to be a little bit more um, specific like I need to go back and like track the timeline at some point mm -hmm. more accurately but I think before there were reactions to them we reacted to them we we there was like the love or hate kind of effect they had I think more recently there's like a real onus to like dissect um and I think mm. Kanye's influence also brought a lot of that in because he really like brought this esoteric son of kind of like signs and symbols kind of approach to how they they started to brand themselves oh, yeah. um but they've been around for so long since 2007 they have been present on every single uh mainstream form of media at the helm of new forms of media through that time there's so many of them there's been scandals um they are you know huge drivers of like the beauty marketplace so these intersections mm -hmm. of social media beauty women um the identity politics element to the family, um, the fact that they're a multiracial family and all the underpinnings, it hits on every cultural anxiety and they're present all around mm -hmm. us. So mm -hmm. I think that's where they become the fractal. Transphobia. So yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, the, the like cast of characters really creates opportunity, partly because there are so many of them and there is weirdly some diversity within them. I know that's like not... You know, I don't really mean that there in like is. the classic yeah. sense, but but in reality, when you look at not even look at them, but when you know who they each are, that mm -hmm. that really is the case. How do you respond to people who are like, don't give them oxygen or they don't deserve yeah. the spotlight? So like you dissecting them is in some way negative. Great question. <clears throat> it's too late. They're already dominant. They're so right. culturally entrenched <laughs> um, and they will be, I think, generationally. Um, my sister put it this way, and I really appreciated the way she put this to words. It would be irresponsible not to. I'm actually surprised it's not happening more. And I'm happy to be maybe one of the earlier voices of like, there's a whole media project here to unpack. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and there were think pieces to get into the cultural appropriation happening for a long time. But it wasn't part of mainstream media. It was like blogs and websites geared towards black audiences. So those conversations have been happening for a long time. Um, and we should talk about how those haven't really been brought in or they're starting to kind of come in, I think. But it took yeah. a long time in terms of the larger analysis of this whole picture. It's um, kind of interdisciplinary. It's Dr. Meredith Jones. She's a UK based academic. She tried to make Composium. Um, she did it twice. She, I forgot when the first one was, but I wasn't even analyzing the Kardashians yet or doing that. Mm -hmm. She did a second one last year. And she said she was inspired by my account a little bit to bring it back because she actually got death threats and like just got canceled basically on Twitter. She used that yeah. word very like Jesus. ironically yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for even trying to analyze them. So people do get very angry, but it's kind of like it's too late. So like, are we just going to consume this passively? Like take this passively? Or are we going to try to make meaning of it? Because we're going to in 20 to 30 years so why don't we start mm -hmm. yeah. yeah they're having this impact on all of us as far as to say that like to there's an obligation not, to so analyze these people like because of how pervasive they are it's not like 10 years ago when like giving them oxygen actually made them more famous yes. i think like you said like they crossed a threshold to which like you cannot like they can, almost can't be knocked off the pedestal of a to, to complete irrelevance because there's also too many of them. So yeah. you could like knock one out of the picture. Like there's <laughs> 10 more that will pop up, you yeah. know? So it's, and now they're like a dynasty. Yeah. So now they're, there's yeah. multiple generations and yes. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of feel like too, that's also the difference in what you're doing. You're not just covering, Oh, Kim wore this to the Met Gala. You're covering like deeper things, which again, like 
when people just see the word Kardashian or just see a woman talking about covering something, they assume that it's going to be this vapid, shallow thing. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with the vapid and shallow, but that's not what, you know, covering the Kardashian doesn't mean that we're not saying anything critical or anything. And I do think, you know, just this is like a personal thing that the way that literature served back in the day where it was a lens for people to see how they felt or how they would react in a situation like Romeo and Juliet happening over a week. Like the, the events happened in like one week and we can all watch. I feel yeah. like that's the same way people should be viewing or are viewing, even if they're conscious of it or not, reality TV yeah. of like, yeah, like, oh, I would never say that about my best friend or if my friend was wanted for embezzlement, or, you know, like, <laughs> like th that yeah. is like what reality yeah. TV serves now. Yeah. And you're right. You're 100% right, MJ, that like in 20 years, we will be looking and having conversations like that. So like, let's start now. Totally. And people have started. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Do you also get people that say, because I get this on the SUP as well, um, what Kim is doing specifically, Kim has without a doubt had a role in freeing people from lifetime sentences in prison. 
That is absolutely true. So sometimes I find that if we're dunking on something she does in this critical lens that we're talking about, I always get a couple people saying, you cannot say that about her. You can't touch her because look what she's doing. And do you get that as well? Yeah, I get that. I get, um, I mean, I'm kind of on Instagram, at least I have um, a lot, an audience that really understands what I'm doing and is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wants. So I feel really fortunate for that. TikTok, I get like a huge, I'm jealous. Things. <laughs> I, I get to see sort of the patterns of like the resistance yeah. to what I'm doing, the enthusiasm, the mis- the enthusiasm while misunderstanding it. Some people really think I'm like giving them tea with big words and like giving them like mm-hmm. a smarter way to say like they hate the Kardashians or they love the Kardashians. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But on Instagram, They're just projecting. Yeah. yeah, it's really. Um, but uh, I haven't gotten resistance in that way. I see a lot of nuanced discourse around the idea that she is bringing the conversation more to the mainstream. And I feel like that is something that she's done while also having the effect of evading criticism or dodging criticism or using it kind of as like a red herring. Um also, there's even like a fan service element to it. Like now when we hear about someone who's um, who's been uh, incarcerated unjustly, there's this thing of like call Kim K. So there's even yeah. like this sort of like for a while. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this very individualized kind of like one case at a time approach to um, mass incarceration. Systemic issue. Yeah, she's yes. been anointed. Yeah. Well, honestly, like. I was really, really harsh about Kim with the whole lawyer thing. And Mm -hmm. like, and I, you know, there's still parts of it that I'm like, ugh, like Mm -hmm. that I'm like, yeah, she benefits from it or, or I don't like the way that's sort of become a meme. But then at the same time, I'm like, why do I need to be so critical about this thing that she's doing that like is good? And even if she is only doing one at a time, like that's a thing that more people who have nothing to do with politics, who literally couldn't give a fuck about people who were incarcerated. Now they actually are like, you know, they're not fully involved now, but who knows what long-term mm-hmm. effect that might actually inspire. So in that area, I don't think that means Kim Kardashian is like free from criticism by any mm-hmm. means. But I think in that case, like good for, you know, I'm glad that she's doing that rather than not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned red herring and wh- some of these conversations about their appropriation of black culture. Like you said, they haven't fully entered like people are happy to drag them for lots of things, especially other white women. But I don't often see this being pointed out. They have not only appropriated black culture, but they've been actively like hurtful to black women during their ascent. Um I want to discuss some of those examples that our audience like might not know about. I mean, there's stuff involved with like Jordan Woods. I mean, there's people have, you know, objections to the way that they advertise their children. Millie, what are some examples that that are kind of like from their past that you don't like that you always think of when you see like the Kardashians are acting up again? and You're like, why don't people know about this thing? Yeah. So let's talk about like even different wings right so like on the terms of like fashion and stuff a lot of black women creators will see their things like their custom like there was one uh bikini that was like made with crystals embellished with crystals and then you know chloe kardashian reached out to the creator was like can i get this custom made I forget if the creator was like, yes or no. But then a few weeks later, it popped up on Khloe Kardashian, like the same exact replica popped up on Khloe Kardashian's um, 
I think it was on Good American or on one of their sites. Mm-hmm. And That's stuff a like Danielle that. Bernstein. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, like stuff like that happens all the time with black women fashion designers. I think a lot of things too that, you know, that's like a, a specific allegations of like, I made this, this thing and the Kardashians popped out with it later. That's one like genre of appropriation. (laughs) Another like broader, like macro is that the things that black women have been like, that have been like labeled as ghetto, like having braids, having acrylic nails, having big butts, small waist, like these things that are associated negatively, the Kardashians have taken and like, made into this new thing you know like Mm -hmm. like repackaged it and now it's more palpable for mass media and culture which is offensive Uh, there's like another genre which is like how they constantly um you know black women are in relationships with men and they will step like they will Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to say. Yeah, intervene. Yeah, Yeah. like you know, um, Tristan Thompson was had another woman pregnant and was in relationship with another woman. She, you know, and that Mm -hmm. was like Chloe's like third or fourth time because that happened with French Montana and Trina. That happened with James. She did that to Trina, the rapper, twice with James Harden and with French Montana. So like, there's a lot. (laughs) There's all these different genres. Um, the biggest one for me, which is. This is a whole other saga. I'm sorry. This is no, like, please. And but, this is what um, we're talking about. Yes, my favorite is the Black China version. The, the the saga of this, where Black China was best friends with Kim Kardashian, would bring her boyfriend Tiger, her baby daddy Tiger, to the house. They would have family dinners. Tiger started fucking with Kylie. The Kardashian clan like ostracized Black China. Black China came back and and married and dated Rob, had a kid. That's the only baby with the Kardashian yeah. name. Yeah, uh, actually, because um, none of their their yeah. other kids have Kardashian. Um, and then China, Black China. Now, um, recently, very recently, within the past two weeks, um, this is a epilogue. But Black China <laughs> was like. Oh, my car got repoed because I have baby absent absentee fathers that are like I, these guys don't pay child support. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. My baby daddies don't pay child support. And then Rob is like, uh, I have full custody. You only see your baby two days a week, uh, and I pay for the private. So basically, he's a single dad. Yeah. So and Tyga said the same thing. So I will just say that Black China's really got the last laugh because yeah. she not only has the only Kardashian name, but she made Rob Kardashian <laughs> Jr. a single father. Yeah, she that does whatever my, she wants. <laughs> yes. You know, on top of the Jordan Wood stuff, you can look yeah. at the Jordan Wood stuff, which whatever. But yes. that is my Black Women in Kardashian roundup. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Millie. <laughs> that was great. In two minutes. Very thorough. <laughs> Millie, it's also... Another interesting thing you you were saying about how, like, when they wear something that's, like, appropriated from, like, Black culture, something that I think is actually very interesting is that they kind of have, like, a huge amplification system for that appropriation so that it, like, then it really goes mainstream into, like, 
white culture because like if you think about like fashion nova for example fashion nova's <laughs> whole model is like mass producing the thing that kim kardashian mm -hmm. wore like two days ago or whatever it was mm -hmm. so whatever they like wear that now becomes like a fast fashion item and it then pervades the trends and they get credit well, for setting like i think people think like we we dress yeah. like this because the kardashians did we all dress in crop tops and, and sweatpants yeah. because the kardashians did when they stole it from black women well that's the funny thing about fashion nova is that it's now a cycle right where it's like <laughs> kardashians will steal from black women kardashians are upset fashion nova ma mass produces but like a large number i mean i don't know the statistics of fashion nova but i can assume that a large number of fashion nova customers are black and latin women mm -hmm. in america so it, it now has been cyclical of mm -hmm. like would these women have worn these in mass if the kardashians didn't wear this or whatever mm -hmm. um who's to say but yeah. yeah that is that is something that's interesting for me it's like you can't even get mad kim because yeah. you just stole this from <laughs> and i love like there's some ones that like make sense like okay yeah kim's wearing like tights like of course they're gonna but then there's like when she wears the full body latex and it comes up on fashion nova two days later it's Hilarious. pretty funny yeah that's a good point they also with instagram and kind of there's the, all the aesthetics that have been appropriated and then they kind of like clone army that kim has created on instagram they like kind of legitimize the appropriation cycle and then like that spreads onwards and i think that's the insidious thing about their project too is that it feels like it has given a lot of white women a pass to um align with black culture or a general ethnic ambiguity which the kardashians also represent yeah i will literally be walking around downtown manhattan and there are girls with air jordans and laid edges who are who look like me yes. it's insane yeah. <laughs> yes what the fuck <laughs> There That's was a girl fun. yesterday, an Asian woman who was smoking a blunt with baby hairs like laid yeah. so specifically that I'm like, this woman's frightened. Like, she's going to stab me. <laughs> she's lived a life. I'm yeah. going to leave her alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my next question was kind of, do you think the Kardashians and the way they've achieved and even altered the nature of fame has penetrated other industries outside of celebrity? I mean, the way that political celebrity works these days is also completely changed. Can you think of some politicians or public figures who maybe are not mimicking their type of celebrity, but are kind of inhabiting the same strategy? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. <clears throat> I mean, the Kardashians kind of model for fame is really walks a fine line with politics. And I think that's why we all sense True. that they might be ending up there um, at some point in that domain, probably Kim. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think that will be coming. Did you have to say that? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's coming. But I do think that, like, you know, Paul, Neil Postman, who's a media theorist um, from kind of the 60s, anticipated, or maybe 70s, um, that, you know, politics were already a media circus, and the Kardashians are entrenched in media. Um, Daniel Borston, who coined the term pseudo-events, he was inspired by the first um, presidential debate between JFK and Nixon. And uh, Marshall McLuhan had the feeling, who's also a media theorist from the 60s, that uh, a big um, a big endorsement of JFK in that in that debate was that he was the sort of everyman figure and he did this better televised. He televised better than mm -hmm. Nixon did. And that really helped him. So I actually would say it's really funny. The Kardashians really pushed a narrative that they were the new Kennedys right when they started, like 2007, like season yeah. one, I'm pretty sure. And they, there was a wisdom to that, I think. There was an insight because the Kennedys were really good at, well, specifically Jackie. 
Jackie, especially after JFK was assassinated, instantly within a week, she's still grieving her husband and the trauma of like him getting shot in front of her. And she invited a journalist that they had a good relationship with over to their um, family home in I forgot where. Um, and sat him down for an interview and just like laid out a mythology about JFK and his presidency wow. that was not entirely accurate to his presidency in some ways, but she like really like um, situated him as this like liberal sort of martyr and and like a ra almost a not radical but like a more cutting edge about, for example, um, social justice than he was. He was mm -hmm. actually pretty cautious. So. The Kardashians are also good at compressing their stories and their lives into headline-friendly narratives, and the Kennedys actually were as well. When you think about the way the Kardashians represent themselves visually, it is very reminiscent of politics in the way that they're not doing the like stream of consciousness sort of like authentic sharing that you see in like the newer the newer ways that people use platforms, what you see with them is like visual sound bites. Like they always are putting up like perfected masterpieces of photos. Like if you remember Kim, like talking about how she photoshopped her wedding photo to Kanye for like, she was filtering it for like two days or something. Like it was, and you think about that, like you're like nothing they're putting out is like, they're putting out a, a celebrity version of a political platform and political talking points every day. Mm. Like the way they conduct their, their comms is very controlled in the way that politics are. And in a way that you don't see most celebrities functioning anymore. Yeah. There's very strict message discipline yeah. with them. Yeah. Fox news level. Yeah, exactly. Like two things, like one, um, my friend Mariah Smith, which I'm sure you might know, yes. M MJ, she has a keeping up with the Kardashian continuity errors yeah. based on at, like Instagram and like timestamps. She's able to see like how one episode is filmed over eight months. Like this conversation took uh, wow. place in February. This conversation took in one episode, you know, so it, it is like the storyline is like construed. So in that way, it makes you the show because they have all these cameras and stuff and like they fight and they talk about things. It makes you feel like you're in on their authenticity or that they're being transparent when it's all like you said like sammy very very contrived very very like polished in the way that politics are and another thing that i feel like is disturbing it's like well when people are like oh you can't criticize the kardashians because they you know kim uh releases inmates it's like she was also interviewed saying that she votes pretty conservative. She yeah. is a Republican. She doesn't believe in taxation. She believes in small government. And it's like she th there is this lack of understanding of these big like like it's case by case. Right. Like in her eyes. But it's like she doesn't understand that that's how the system is made to work. Mm -hmm. It's like supposed to be mass incarcerating people and especially like black people. So it's just like. That is a scary thing about her getting into politics is that it's like this new wave of like actual conservative politics with this liberal lens. And I feel yeah. like a lot of women are susceptible to that kind of thinking. I mean, we see it every election when, you know, white women kind of sway the vote in, in either way. Mm. Uh, and that that's really frightening to me. <laughs> well, also, like she 
if we're all, if we're going to apply that standard to Kim Kardashian, that because she has released like three to four incarcerated people, that we then can't criticize anything else she does, then why does why do we criticize anybody? Because everyone has done like some nice stuff. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. even people we hate a lot have done a few things equivalent to what Kim I mean, Kardashian who has done. Yeah, who helped right. her free them, Donald so, Trump. So yeah. like, yeah, so Trump, you know, I just feel that like, why would she, why does that standard apply to her? So she does like one fucking nice thing mm-hmm. and uh, suddenly we can't criticize her at all. But well, yeah, well, I think it's exactly those get, people that yeah. are saying that and uh, they're mirroring the exact type of politics that Millie just talked about. People who are like, they they're kind of like pseudo liberal where they they think they don't see they don't connect the broader issues some of which Kim has spoken to saying that she's not a feminist and she likes small government they don't connect those issues to mass incarceration because they don't see that the party that 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 is pursuing those things that they think they agree with is also pursuing those um, so I feel like I feel like Kim kind of like I think she validates them. Because it's like, of course I want people who didn't do crimes to be freed from prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and so does Kim. So therefore, we are good people. So I think it's just coming from like some some projection from that, you know, we know 53% of white women voted for Trump last time. And there are lots of, these are the women who also, you know, probably voted for Glenn Youngkin. Like, I think there's something definitely, definitely there that the Kardashians kind of like speak to this like pseudo liberalism. Well, I think that you're hitting on something that's super true for Kim's brand in pretty much every way. And once this is like kind of a rule of thumb that I use when I look at the pro their media project and I see it every in everything they do, they, 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 they straddle both this like paradigm that they always straddle. So when we're looking at a political, like kind of, uh, comparison one way of looking at them is through the kennedys and another way of looking at them is through like a trump lens because trump is like america's first reality tv president there's a really great um essay in the new republic by jeet here um called calling trump america's first first postmodern president and he applies baudrillard's uh, lens of uh, jean baudrillard lens to um trump's presidency and even like the las vegas lens which i love because i've compared the kardashians to las vegas many times in the past um and the idea is that Trump ran a campaign based on um, nostalgia, faux nostalgia, mm-hmm. that's like a historical, um, make America great again, compressing his, well, actually not compressing his language, speaking in this like kind of chaotic way that disoriented people, um, and in general, divorcing people from their experience and kind of like creating these media projections of like rhetoric um, outwardly. So the Kardashians are both kind of narrative curators like the kennedys were like this like idea like idyllic dreamy sort of projection of a certain kind of image they speak simplistically so that it's easy to use nice sound bites to help like reproduce their story so they're very kennedy like in this like high fashion kind of like elegant way but then they're also kind of trumpian in the kind of confusing act politically confusing but media manipulating kind of extreme mm-hmm. way culture of extreme sort of way so there's different ways of looking at them but either yeah. way they're aligned with politics really act- yeah quite comfortably <clears throat> yeah definitely uh, I, 
I have a question, which I'm curious to hear your perspective. Um, and this is from the sup thing, Amanda. But uh-huh. it is um, the most timely Kardashian headline is one of the more absurd. Chloe admitted that her daughter True's face had been sh- photoshopped onto her niece's Stormy's face by her sister Kim, though they didn't offer an explanation. Why do you think the sisters felt the need to conceal Stormy's presence at Disneyland? <laughs> and then confirm that they photoshopped yeah, it. Yeah, they confirmed. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm pretty sure what happened with that is I forgot the fan account. It was like, I don't want to even miscredit. Kardashian Icon or Kardashian Clips or one of those Kardashian fan accounts fa- figured it out. TikTok found it, co-opted it. It went totally viral on TikTok as a conspiracy theory. And then it was true. Um, we got to track down that Instagram account. But it was true, literally. Yeah, this is what they do. It's the same curating. It's the same, like, there's some narrative that they want to have around Disney. um, And someone's first time at Disney or already having been at Disney. So they, like, they also Photoshop, like, their old pictures of themselves from, like, the 90s, too. Like, Courtney's, like, (sighs) nose job pictures, like, look like her new nose. Like, and so there's interesting. They really do photo manipulation. Yeah. why this thing? It felt so weird. I thought that I thought that it was because of Astro World. Like they took Stormy really um, right after Astro World, and they didn't want to look bad. There's that makes a lot of oh, sense. Tr- yeah. No, they took Stormy to Disney, but put True's face on it in the pictures. Right. Yeah. When you extrapolate things from that behavior. It really takes you to a new place with like who they are and what they do, because that is just so fucking weird. It's It's weirder than even like photoshopping her to look cuter. Like it's just it's bizarre. And it actually really makes me question things at an even more deep level than I did before, which was right. It's one thing to just not just. It's just very odd to me. They would just not, no, but not post a picture. So it's so you're right. Like it's not they had a it's not just that they didn't want people to know that stormy was there they wanted to promote a narrative around a different kid being there (laughs) right we've talked about a lot of the toxic things that they do a lot of the things that are damaging but definitely the their connection to astro world felt like something really dark and the silence on it or the sort of um the reaction at first that didn't feel fully empathetic what do you think that moment represented for them and their brand? Not that I don't want to reduce it to a moment. It was such a, a tragedy, but in the context of the conversation we're having. Yeah, they took a long time to speak to it. They took like two days. <clears throat> and I think there was a big decision about how they were going to align themselves with Travis Scott. I'm very curious how they deal with it in the show. Um, yeah. You know, like with Kim's Paris robbery, which was a near tragedy, they approached it they ended up i think they handled it pretty well in the show actually but they still leveraged it you know they made it into a narrative and she like leaned into like i'm I'm sure that was incredibly traumatic and she still like kind of like faced it to do the narrative for the show um i'm mm-hmm. curious how they can sensitively do that for astro world or if they're just gonna do this kind of like if we don't engage and we don't even acknowledge it it won't be aligned with us that tends to be what they do with the things that are actually you know damaging or tragic i think yeah, and it's just so telling that the conversation we're having about how we're not talking about how we think they earnestly reacted to it. Right. We're talking about the narrative they're going to build and and present to us. Yes. So you don't only cover the Kardashians. Uh, I notice you you do give some space for some other cameos on your page. Who are some other celebrities or some celebrity culture meet sociology themes, um, media studies themes that have really interested you lately? 
interested me lately. Because the truth is, I, I do, I'll dip into other things sometimes, but the Kardashians, I, I don't actually, like, love pop culture. They, they're kind of, like, my mm-hmm. main, like, yeah. they're, they're, they're the fractal. They make it the easiest for me. Um, yeah. So I will say the royal family is another parallel, um, and I learned a lot about them from an interview I did with Polyester, um, who are out in the UK. They were teaching me and my sister quite a lot about how, um, you know, the royal family shapes culture. Yeah. Um, Meghan Markle is really a prism for cultural anxieties as well. I feel like she gets projected on in so many different ways. Like you can really learn about someone's attitudes about identity from a conversation about Meghan Markle. Um, So I think there's a really, really important and interesting stuff there. And then more recently, I have been interested in um, Doja Cat and Cardi B's boundary setting with their fans. But they're young fans, especially, mm-hmm. I think. I think that they are burned out and the burnout that they're experiencing, especially through Twitter and TikTok, um, tells us a lot about this culture of consumption that we live in and how fandom is getting, like even potentially more extreme because of this access that fans feel they have to their idols um, and the yeah. entitlement they feel. So I'm, I'm, I am intrigued with that, I have to say. Yeah, Doja, like Doja Cat had like a, do you remember the pool thing where she was at a pool doing a live and someone said, babe, and she was like, she cut it off because she didn't want anyone to know who her boyfriend is or who her, who called her babe. And then everyone made a whole thing about, that's so interesting. You're so smart, MJ. Uh, So are you. (laughs) You come back more. Yeah, this is the best combo. We'll definitely, absolutely uh, have you back and, you know. I know I will be, I'll be watching (laughs) the Kardashians tonight to see what kind of display uh, they decide to show. It's so interesting because I always compare the Kardashians to the royal family too. And one thought, my knee-jerk reaction is always that like, somehow the the royal family it's more earned but it's not they are both lesser they were it's less earned exactly yeah. so i yeah i tend <laughs> but to now bring like the kennedys and the trumps into it i think that some people might hear that and not want to think that they are kind of our kennedys but for for the reasons you outlined i think we have to be frank about like who is who we're who we're staring at and who is taking up all the oxygen and whose narratives we're falling for yeah and it's going to be really interesting in the future when the the kennedys of america are all going to be multiracial yeah uh, Exactly. So that's like what I think about all the time. Like when we hear tabloids about Beyonce's kids and Kanye's yeah, kids yeah. and every and Cardi B's it's kids. Coming, and it's all that coming. Stuff. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you so much, MJ. Where can people find find you? TikTok and Instagram, but I will say t- Instagram's my happy place. Um, Kardashian mm-hmm. underscore colloquium with a K. And oh, actually, um, I'm gonna have like a reactive column with Vogue pretty soon about the new show. I don't know when it's going up. Yay! I oh saw you were te- I saw you were teasing an announcement. That's awesome, yes. MJ. Cool. Yeah, thank you. I'm gonna listen to that because I'm so curious on what you yeah. curious yeah. with the K on what you think about the new Kardashians. Yes, I mean I'm sure there will be yeah. some event that meets one of our very many intersections, and we will definitely be chatting about it. You could be our Kardashian correspondent with a K. I'm down. I'm super down. Okay, so that just, yeah, that's happening, clearly. That just happened. (laughs) Perfect. Do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. That is our show. I hope everybody has a lovely weekend. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com.
Betches.